Yes, we are back, and we are today going to engage in Norman Greenbaum theology. All right. Do you have any idea who that is? I don't. Not even the first one. I didn't either. I couldn't remember his name. That's why I literally just Googled it. He is the guy who wrote and sang Spirit in the Sky. Oh. (laughs) Going up to the spirit in the sky. In the sky. It's where I'm going to go when I die. When I die. Okay, when was it? When did he do that? 70 something. It's actually before I was born, but that's what happens. 71. That's what happens when you grow up in a family that was with a father who loved classic rock. And some of you were at home going, what? have I done yeah. by turning this on? It, 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 gets on it gets better. It gets better. It gets better, I think. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> but yeah, in a nutshell, we are going to talk about the Holy Spirit today, which means we have gathered together to tell you that God is, and that includes every member of the Trinity. And this is going to become important because if we do not understand our Holy Spirit theology as an outworking of Trinitarian theology, which in and of itself is an outworking of what we have discussed with Christology and theology proper. If you have no idea what I just said, go back and read the past. Go back and read. Go back and listen to the past episodes. They will do you good and help to give you a foundation that we are going to build upon here today. Now I have to inhale. So our starting point is going to be Romans chapter 8. You're going, what? Romans 8. Yes, this makes sense. Brethren, We are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. And you're going, well, that doesn't tell me a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. Ho, ho, ho. Au contraire, mon frère, you must read more carefully, or we will chop the onions and you will smell them and cry. Oh, Don't ask boy. me where that just <laughs> came from, but we're going to go with it. So... Believe it or not, that little section of Romans lays out the proper function and working of the Holy Spirit in the Christian life. So before I tell you what the Holy Spirit is not, we're going to actually do this the right way this time and tell you what the Holy Spirit actually does and who he is. So for starters, as Christians, guided by the Spirit, we're supposed to live differently. Why? Well, rewind what Paul just said in Romans 8. You are not of the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Notice what Paul just did. Is there a distinction between the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ? 
Absolutely not. No, because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, is the Spirit of Christ, is the Spirit of Yahweh. This is the functioning Trinity at work. There's no distinction. It's not like Jesus is doing something over here on one side and, and the Father is doing something over here on the other side and then there's the Holy Spirit like playing Scrabble while everybody else is playing Parcheesi. No, they are all functioning in their Yahweh given, um, there's probably a word there that I should use, a uh, role as how the work of God is dealt with and functions in this world. So if Christ is in you, how? By the work of the Holy Spirit. Though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. That's your spirit, by the way. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, that's the Holy Spirit sent from the Father, raising Christ from the dead, stick with me here, mm -hmm. dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. See, this is why you are to live differently. The Holy Spirit's primary job here for the believer is to actually indwell you, regenerate you. This goes back to our Order Salutis. Listen to the episode on the Order Salutis. It will do you good. The Holy Spirit's job is to indwell you, regenerate you, convict you of sin, and then guide you in your path of sanctification leading ultimately to glorification. Make sense so far? Absolutely. And, and none of these things are new concepts. These are things that... If you study your Bible well, you'll see allusions to these in the temple services and, and how things happen there. And, 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 and when you read Paul's writings, I mean, he's, he, he talks about us all the time. And we're, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, you know? And what a novel idea. What a novel idea. Yeah. So it, it, it calls us to a different life. It calls us out of the old life and into the new life where we're in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, fellowship with God. Um, it, it, it brings new things to our dead lives. Da, 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 da. This is what he does. This is how he operates. This is who he is. And by he, we mean God and we mean the Holy Spirit. Yes. Uh, example, why are we to be, be different? First Peter 1. If you address as father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work. So in other words, you're actually trying to walk in the ways that God the Father has laid out. Mm -hmm. Conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold. You know, the stuff you just chuck out the window when you're driving down the highway. Oh, sure. You know, the gold and silver that you don't need. Yeah but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. See, this is why the Holy Spirit has to seal you. Because if Christ has died for you, it is not as though some trite or trivial thing has been done here. It is not as though some minor work has been accomplished. Instead, a great work has been accomplished. Therefore, it requires a great work and therefore a great worker to complete, uphold, and carry through that work within you. So it is God who begins, it is God who authorizes, it is God who carries forward, and it is God who completes this work. So Father ordains, Son fulfills, Spirit concludes. Can we, can we agree with that thus far? Yes, that's a wonderful analogy. Yeah. There we go. Look at that. I did wonderful. Go me. I'm going to pat myself in the head. Go me. And yes, I actually did pat myself I, you in know, the head. We, we actually had this, my, my grandson and I had this conversation about the Father, the work of the Father, the Son, and then the, the Holy Spirit, and how we we even talked about being adopted and sons and, and calling out to the Father, Abba, and, and because he wanted to know how, how are we in the family of God. And and um, and so we started talking about these these very passages. So it's it's very, very important for us to recognize the work of, of God in our lives and how the, the Trinity helps us understand that 
not that we can fully understand the Trinity in and of itself or even explain it for that matter, but when you read the passages of Scripture, you, you can't help but see how there's this this triune nature to God, this complex unity that the Father, Son, and the Spirit have together and how it operates in, in our salvation. You know, the, the fact that the Father has to first call us to the Son and the Son, you know, He is the down payment for our, our salvation. He's our Redeemer. And then, and then He leaves us with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit dwells in us. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor a circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter, and his praise is not from men, but from God. So in other words, the people of God are, catch this, led by the Spirit of God. So this is what the Holy Spirit does in the continuing work. But he is also involved in the initial work, Ephesians 1. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. See, this is what we've been talking about. Who seals that work? The Holy Spirit does. How do you know that work is being done? Because the Holy Spirit is inside guiding and directing you. Um, 2 Timothy 1, I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying out of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and of discipline. So in other words, what should Timothy be leaning back into? should be leaning back into the direction, leading, guiding, and sanctifying work that the Holy Spirit is doing within him. So, ah. <coughs> for some odd reason, I cannot stop drying out right now. And that's not, uh, that doesn't bode well for when I have to keep talking. Mm-hmm. Drink more. Ah, if I drink any more, I'm going to float away. <laughs> Convinced of that. Ah, it's one of the old rules. Drink all the water. Pee all the time. Ah. So, now, who confirms this work that we keep talking about? This is what the Holy Spirit does. So, take a second real quick and recap this. Don't get lost along the way. Christians are to live differently because they are being led by the Spirit, who is the one who works to accomplish our salvation within us. Mm -hmm. Therefore, that confirmation work can actually be seen. John 16. I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Mm -hmm. So when we see the world acting as though they are angry at God, what do we know is happening? Holy they're Spirit is judging. They're being yeah. convicted. The Holy yeah. Spirit is doing his job. Yes. When we see our righteousness growing, we know what? The Holy Spirit is doing his job. And when we see the judgment of God falling upon this world, we know what? The Holy Spirit is doing his job. Yeah. How does this work also for the church? Romans 12. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given each of us, and each of us to exercise them accordingly. Prophecy according to the proportion of faith, service and serving, teaching and teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, who gives you all those gifts? It's the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians 12. Yeah. Variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. Right. And what is he building? There are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but the same God who works in 
all persons. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So how do you know your church is functioning in a way that is honoring the kingdom of God and according to the Holy Spirit? You're actually functioning in a way where the parts are working together for the building up of one another and the advancement of that congregation in godliness unto the day of completion in God's kingdom. (laughs) This is what he does. If you're given a word through wisdom, through the Spirit, to another word of knowledge, according to the Spirit, to another faith, by the same Spirit, another gifts of healing, by the one Spirit, to another affecting miracles, prophecy, another distinguishing spirits, another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues, but... One and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as He, capital He, wills. So who indwells you and gets to decide what gift you get? The, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Right. Who gets to make that determination? That's what God's supposed to do. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He is acting and functioning as God, confirming the work ordained by the Father and acted and purified by and, um, and completed by the Son, ultimately purified and built by the Holy Spirit in what he is doing. And therefore, that work is supposed to, catch that, have meaning in how we live and function, right? Ephesians 3. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. It's the Holy Spirit who does that. He confirms it. That matters to me. I want those things. I want to work my way into completion in Christ. In other words, I want to walk rightly. This goes back to past episodes, listen to them, they'll do you good. I want to do all those things. Well, the Holy Spirit is the one who confirms and builds that work, so I want to walk according to who and what he is doing. So, all that said, what we have tried to lay out here, what we have tried to lay out here is a short biblical case for what the Holy Spirit actually does. Now, you may be asking yourself, self, what for you do that? The answer is really simple, and yet it is really complicated all at the same time. Mm-hmm. The minute we get away from the work of the Holy Spirit, according to Scripture, as with everything, is the minute we get ourselves into very, very dangerous places. So when I ascribe work to the Holy Spirit, what I want to make sure I can do is actually ascribe work that can be validated and verified from Scripture. Right, that's important. If I can't, then what I am saying is that I have now discovered something that the Holy Spirit may or may not be doing that God has never given anybody a heads up about at any other point in human history. Woe upon me if I am walking that road and going down that path. And that becomes the danger. And the reason it becomes a danger is welcome to 20th and 21st century Christianity. Yeah. We have entered into the realm of the ecstatic work of the church. And I'm going to get cards on the table. That's not good. Mm-hmm. It is not good. It is not helpful. What we have to remember, at his, notice the determinations. I'm going to say it's at some point when I do, Lou's supposed to chuck a hymnal at me. Okay. Because it's just a bad habit I get into. I'm, I'm looking for hymnals. There you go. Yeah. Look, I don't think I have any in this room with me, so I think Smart. I'm safe. <laughs> Hide all the heavy objects. Um, 
what we are supposed to be understanding with the Holy Spirit is at his core, he is Yahweh at his most imminent. Mm-hmm. And, and what we mean by that is, in, God, in describing God, we, we, have to do, we have to fall into one or two categories. We are either describing the transcendence of God or the imminence of God. Now, these are easy to understand. Transcendence of God is the big, the, the, the uttermost of God, how he is beyond us, outside of us, something and someone that we will never comprehend, understand, or explain. That is the transcendence of God. That is him far away, that, you know, just unapproachable, untouchable. The imminence of God, though, is the nearness, how he is close to us, how he is explainable, understandable, discernible, teachable, as, as, as in we can explain him to other people. This, this was demonstrated by Christ in the incarnation, is mm-hmm. that suddenly God takes on flesh and walks among people. This was the imminence of God at a level that people just did not understand. For sure. And Some, they, weren't, they weren't really looking for, for that type of incarnation. No. I mean... You're talking about something not really seen since the garden. Right. I, I, on a regular basis. So what was lost there is, is sort of restored temporarily in Christ. Right. That was as close to being with and understanding God as humanity could possibly get yeah. until Pentecost. Right. And, and then we went from looking at him, beholding him, to actually being beheld by him, if right. that makes any sense. Well, <coughs> when, you, when you look at, at how the scriptures have unfolded, you know, from Genesis to the book of Revelation, we've got one, one book describing the transcendent God, but his desire to walk and be amongst his people and his plan of redemption and how we're seeing this all fit together with, you know, the death, burial, resurrection and the ascension of Christ and the giving of the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit dwells within us and we have a fellowship that was lost for a long yes. time. Yes, and it is perfectly restored and the most intimate it will ever be in the Holy Spirit. Right. Now, justifications here. Holy, the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity, the right. third person of Yahweh. So why do I say that? Well, the Holy Spirit is omniscient, 1 Corinthians 2. To us, God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He is omnipotent. Luke 1, the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. What was humanly impossible is accomplished by God through who? The work of the Holy Spirit. And he's eternal. Hebrews 9, if the, bull, if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the, will the blood of Christ through, I'm sorry, who through the eternal Spirit... Offered himself without blemish to God. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. We really need to let that soak in. That is saying a lot. God. Substitution. Mm -hmm. Substitutionary atonement we're talking about here. Christ died in your place. It's not improper to say God died for you. The Father did not die for you. The Spirit did not die for you. The Son died for you. But the Son being God means that God died. 
died for you. And in that, again, decreed and ordered by God the Father, affected how? Through the work of the eternal spirit. So this omniscient, omnipotent, obviously omnipresent if he can indwell all of these believers, spirit is the imminence of God on display. Which means, what is he doing? He is doing this work so that he can do what? Lead us to walk differently. Lead his people into the kingdom of God. Confirm the salvation that God has enacted and carry us through. Confirm the works in us and build the body by the giving of gifts and the strengthening of the people. And applying a meaning and a relationship to our lives both with one another and with God. This is the active work of the Holy Spirit. And I got news for you. That's a full-time job right there. Yeah, that's that's a lot going on, and nobody can do it like he does it. And sometimes we think, as pastors and whatever uh, Bible teachers, that we have to do all of that work, but we don't. And we kind of talked about this earlier. He is better at that job than we are. <laughs> Say that again. He is better at that job than we are. This is the thing we get ourselves messed up with: is we go, well, if I did this, whoa, 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 stop. Is that a job God says He does? If so, the answer is stop doing that. Right. I don't have to worry about bringing conviction. The Holy Spirit convicts. I don't have to worry about hunting up your spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit gives you gifts. I don't have to worry about sanctifying you. The Holy Spirit sanctifies you. I just have to worry about putting the tools in your toolbox so that the Holy Spirit, when he needs the hammer, can grab the hammer. When he needs a saw, he can grab the saw. That's what our job is as teachers and fellow workers and disciplers, is we provide the toolbox in your brain so the Holy Spirit goes, hey, you need the wrench to fix this. You go... I have a wrench. We put that there last month. Right. And now I can pull it out. Right. That's see, why it says that he will bring those things into remembrance. You see, that's always a, when you're not told don't prep ahead of time so you don't read your Bible. It's not like you're going to need to quote Amos and suddenly the Holy Spirit's going to be like, Amos 2 7 is. And, and if you know what Amos 2 7 is, get out more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, no, the reason they, the Holy Spirit will bring Amos 2.7 to you is because at some point in your life, you read and internalized Amos 2.7. And even though you don't like actively walk around with that in your brain, the Holy Spirit's like, we need that right now. Yep. And so he snatches that out of the recesses of your brain, puts it on your tongue. And you're like, there it is. And then you stop and go, where did that come from? Like, have you ever had that scary moment where all of a sudden you're like, you have an idea, and it was a good idea, and everybody else said it was a good idea, and you're going, where did that idea even come from? Like, I wasn't thinking that. I was stuck in traffic trying to yell at the old lady in front of me who can't drive. And then all of a sudden it was like, hey, I have this idea. Stop and go, thank you, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Holy Spirit was like, hey, now's the time for all this stuff you've been stewing on in the back of your brain that you're not thinking about. Now it's time for you to think about it yep. and actually do something with it. Yes. So now this is where this becomes practical, and believe it or not, that's the goal of, catch this, practical theology ministries. But in order to make this practical, we have to actually base it on something. So we're basing this on Romans 8 and an understanding of who the Spirit is and what the Spirit does. So what, what, how does this make sense for me? I'm to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Why? Well, because he's the one who directs God's people. Right. We've, we've, met, we've hammered this point for... Uh, hammered this point, but we're going to keep making it further. It was Paul. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, not Paul. I said Paul, James, writing the letter to the uh, those embroiled in the Judaism controversy in Acts 15. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials. I'm not going to worry about the essentials because it doesn't matter for the point we're making. Right. The point we're making is, where did he stop? The Holy Spirit said stop, and James went, okay, okay I'm stopping. The Holy Spirit doesn't think this is a bigger deal than I mean, so why should I make a bigger deal out of this than the Holy Spirit does? Therefore, I stop. 
We already mentioned this, but he gifts his people. You want a great example of this from the Old Testament? Read Exodus 31. It will do you good. The altar, the tabernacle, the ark. Where did the guys get the idea for this? And where did the guys get the ability? Just indwelled them and they were... I have filled the, I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship right. to make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and in bronze, and in the cutting of stones and for settings and in the carving of wood that he may work in all kinds of craftsmanship. Yeah. That's the gifting of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. If you want to see it again in the New Testament, go back to Ephesians 4. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, for the building up of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So he directs us because he gifts us, but he also bears our burdens. Keep going in Ephesians 4. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. See, this is why we can be sad when they go out of us because they were not of us. Mm. Because the Holy Spirit inside of us thinks we're wa- is, is walking with us and encouraging us to walk with them in discipleship. And then they walk away and it's like, mm. why? What they happened? left. They were like, never part of us. Yes, we were doing such good work and the Holy Spirit was giving me such good work and now you're gone and I don't know what to do. The Holy Spirit is grieved by that as well. Why? Because you, child of God, are hurt. Mm-hmm. Parents, you ever seen your kid hurt and be like, you deserve that one? All right. On occasion, but you still feel bad about it. Absolutely, right. <laughs> like, you may have deserved it, but I still don't like it. Welcome to the grieving of the Holy Spirit in your world. Right. He also delivers the word of the Lord. He delivers prophecy, Ezekiel 2, uh, Numbers 24, 1 Samuel 10, basically the entire Old Testament. What do, you, what do you hear from most of the prophets? Thus says the Lord. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord has come down and given them something. Right. This is how that works. Now, pause point here. This is going to become important in a couple of minutes. Okay. <laughs> Lou's like, uh-oh. I'm waiting for the yeah. shoe to drop here. Yeah, Lou, Lou knows it's coming. He just doesn't know when. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when God, through the revelatory work of the Holy Spirit, gives the prophets a message for the people of God, is it weird? Yeah, it, it can be. I mean, but I is mean, the message itself weird? No, it's consistent with with what's going on and what God is seeing in His people. And yes, yes. So it's, even it's not somebody out so in left field. So let's 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 take a fun example. Ezekiel. Like if you've never read Ezekiel, go read Ezekiel. It will do you good, and you'll be like sending me emails going, "This is in my Bible." Yes, that is in your Bible. Like at one point, God tells him to lay on his side for like a year and a half, and to erect siege works. Basically, become a child playing in the mud. Right. Why? It's a warning to the exiles that Jerusalem is to be undone, right. that the northern kingdom is gone, the southern kingdom is gone. It's, it's all gone. Even, all of it's gone. Even more weird than that, he tells Ezekiel, you are to bake your bread with human excrement. Yeah, and Ezekiel's, and Ezekiel's like, are like, you sure? No, I've never, I've never eaten anything unclean and whatever. And God says, okay, you can use cow dung. Yeah, because like, that's such an improvement. <laughs> because there, it was an example oh, yeah. to the people... their judgment, they were going to be eating their bread that way. Yeah. And this is the problem is you're going, well, this stuff is weird. Yes, it is. Yes. But from a human perspective, it confirms what prophets had already said from Jeremiah to Isaiah to all sorts of the other minor prophets. Read the minor prophets. It'll do you good. And where they're warning against the coming judgment. It's the same consistent message that you saw with Elijah and Elisha. It's consistent. All Ezekiel's doing is showing you, look, this this is what it's going to look like. This is how bad it's going to get. 
is the me- is the is the message communicated in a humanly unusual manner? Yes, but is it in a, a manner that is un, un that is unintelligible? No. no. Like you would walk and be like, "Why is Ezekiel playing in the mud?" Well, he's showing us something. Really? What? How to play in the mud? No, he's actually explaining the destruction of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Well, can we kick him? It's an object lesson. Yes, in it judgment. is. You know, Jeremiah did this where, you know, go buy a nice new belt and then go bury it and then uncover it like months and years later and it's destroyed. Right. Why? Because so will God's people be. Yeah. When they are forsaken of God, they will be destroyed. Now, mm. prophecy had a function. It was always in line with the character, nature, and teaching of God. Catch that because that's also the work of the Holy Spirit. He teaches the people. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative. Not like the Holy Spirit's running around willy-nilly going, hey, I'm free from the rest of these nitwits in the Trinity, and I can do what I want. No. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come, and he will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. So there's a consistency of message. What was taught by the Son is taught by the Spirit. What was taught by the Father is taught by the Son is taught by the Spirit. There's, there's no dissension in the Trinity. Yep. He cannot be divided. He cannot be separated. And therefore, because he does this, he brings salvation. Rewind in John 16, which is where we just read from. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. We read this already. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. Concerning judgment, because the rule of this world has been judged. Now, this is what the Holy Spirit does. Now, if you would like, hold on. <coughs> Excuse me. If you would like to add to the work of the Holy Spirit, first of all, stop it. <laughs> Second of all, you've got to come with a Bible verse. You've got to. Right, right. There's got to be something verifiable. Yeah, I've got to have something objective under other than the musings of your own mind and imagination. If they speak not according to this word, it's because they were not yeah. speaking as, for God. As Paul told the Galatians in chapter 1, be it I or an angel from heaven to preach a gospel contrary, he is to be accursed. He is to be anathema. So there is only one message. There is only one consistent message. Now, look, I'm a big believer in this. This is your rundown. You ready? 66 books, 40-plus authors, almost 1,600 years of writing, uh, three continents, numerous genres, one message, one story in Scripture, which is the redemption of God, the redemption of God's people by God through his work, through his power, through the sealing of his spirit. So with all of that said, the Holy Spirit does not light you on fire, make you bark like a dog, supersede the word of God, or any other nonsense outside the glorifying work of God. Okay? Can, can we agree on this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Please. I'm begging you. Yeah. The next time somebody gets up in your church and says, God told me, throw a hymnal at him. If you don't know what a hymnal is, are these books we used to keep in church pews. Mm-hmm. Okay, pews. There were these wooden bench things that we carved and we sat on them in church and they were really uncomfortable, uncomfortable. and it was good for you. Yeah. It was good for you. It taught you discipline. And so in the pews, we would keep these books with songs in them, with music notes that actually taught you how to sing them properly so that we could all sing them rightly. So if someone gets up and says, God told me, find one of those books and chuck it at him. Really really hard and you're going man this got violent quick yes yes it did and it should and and here's why i'm going to give you an object lesson from my own history you ready Mm -hmm. i was a youth and children's pastor i will not say where and i will not say when and i will not say why and i will not say who (laughs) so and we were sitting in a church service 
and one of our deacons got up and he said, God gave me this idea and I didn't chuck a hymnal at him and I should have. See, this is why. And his idea was we were going to engage in this ministry. And it was complicated. It involved phone calls and agencies and bringing people in and arranging food and all of that good stuff. And it was a good ministry. And it involved buying gifts and all sorts of stuff. And God told him when we were going to do it and how we were going to do it. So he laid this whole plan out. And we called all the people we had to invite. And there was a problem. Is according to him, God told him what weekend we were going to do it. And none of the people we were inviting could come on that weekend. None of them. Now, what's the problem with that? If God called them to do it, he would make a way for those people to be there. If, if God said, hang on. All right. Oh, no, don't unmute it. There we go. Now I'm back. Okay. If God said, do it on this day, then that day was when it was going to happen. But it didn't happen on that day because it couldn't happen on that day because no one could come that day. Therefore, right. you know what I know? God didn't tell you what day to have it, which means I now have to wonder, did God tell you to do it? And the short answer is probably not. Now, going back to a point we made earlier, did the Holy Spirit maybe spur an idea in him? Yes, I believe that fully. Did the Holy Spirit give him a good idea? Yes. It was an excellent ministry idea, and we ended up doing it on a day that was convenient, and it was wonderful. But we got to stop giving credit to God and blame to God when he didn't do it. Right. You know, the Holy Spirit through the gifting, gave this man an idea on how he could minister to people using the exercise of the gifts that he has been given that also required the use of other gifts that he was not given, that other people in the church were given. So what should he have done? Hey, I got an idea. I think the Holy Spirit's given me a good one here. This is what I know how to do, and this is my part. Now, what I need is people that can do this, that, and the... And you know what would have happened? Exactly what did happen is people that were gifted in the things that he needed got up and said, well, I can do this, I can do that, and I can do this. And the Holy Spirit would have been glorified, God would have been praised, and we would have accomplished wonderful ministry. See? And you're going, but isn't that what happened? Yes. But don't start off with God told me. Yeah. Yeah. Don't go blaming God for the random thoughts of your head because one of these times you're going to blame him for something he didn't do. And then we got to stone you to death because that was the standard for the prophets. And see, I hear this all the time in evangelical Bible studies where yeah. the, the, the teacher gets up and goes, well, well, God has laid upon my heart. Oh, yeah, well, God laid on my heart to throw him at you. What's your point? Or, you know, God gave me this teaching. You know what I always hear after someone says God gave me this teaching? Something that doesn't match up with the scripture they're teaching from. And see, yeah. that's a problem because the Holy Spirit is now contradicting himself because yeah. the Holy Spirit inspires Scripture since he inspires prophecy. And Second Peter 1 tells you no prophecy was an ever act of human will. So, so when you tell me God gave me this teaching and then that teaching contradicts prophecy, or, then we have a problem. Yeah, I, I, come from, I come from a background of, you know, Pentecostal assemblies. And, and every, every time you, you talk to somebody about about the sermon and they, you know it's just what God gave me and like you said sometimes it doesn't match up with with the scriptures they're using the message is something that you can agree to but it's just not matching up with with the passages they use to teach that message and and my response is the words that you you preach from the Bible are also from the Holy Spirit. Yes. They are inspired. Yes. Let us preach what God spoke. Yes. Let the Holy Spirit wake something up in whoever he wants to wake something up in and remind them of something. 
Yes. Let, let the Holy Spirit do that work. We don't need to. That's another example of how we're trying to do the work of the Holy Spirit when he is much better at it than we are. We're coming full circle here. See, this starts to make sense. And I know I'm using the extremes. I'm talking about lighting people on fire and barking like a dog. But I wouldn't use those examples if that wasn't actually going on in supposed churches of God. Listen, we are, well, we're almost a stone's throw away from a place that has done that. Mm-hmm. I've been to places and and literally people are barking like dogs and it really turns people, it, it turned me off. Well, it should because God is not a God of confusion. He's not a God of unintelligibility and he's not a God of stupidity. Right. And I don't have a Bible verse for the last one, but I think that's just an implied doctrine of scripture. Hmm. I think we can just agree with that, that God's not an idiot. Right. We can stipulate that one, right? <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, just so. making sure. So <laughs> when I walk so. into your church and we're like, <laughs> So saith the prophet a great Dane. Are you a terrier? What's going on? Do, right. do I have to lift my leg and pee in a hydrant? What, what's the lesson here? This is not Holy Spirit-inspired work. This is, for the most part, you ready? This is my thinking. This is well-meaning people who don't know any better. Right. Well, they're being misled. Haven't studied the Word, haven't studied Scripture, and haven't applied the biblical teaching about the Holy Spirit and what He does rightly in their lives. And so what are they doing? They're doing fire tunnels and laughing revivals and, oh, and intoxication trips in the Holy Spirit. And they're literally barking like dogs and rolling on the ground. And it's, it's borderline demonic. And I'm, and I'm not going to make that accusation. I'm going to say it's borderline because I don't know the heart and I don't know what's going on. But when we are grounded in the Word of God, Yes, God is boxed in. Not because I did it, but because God did it. Mm-hmm. This goes back to our lesson on the omnip- omnipot- omnipotence of God. Are there things that God cannot do? Yes. He can't deny himself. He cannot lie. He cannot act like an idiot. These are things that limit his power. Why? Because they are limited by his nature and who he himself is. That's why we don't define omnipotence as God is all-powerful. But God can do all things that are proper representations of his power, character, and nature. That's the proper definition for biblical omnipotence. So can the Holy Spirit make you bark like a dog? Well, yes, he can make a donkey speak. What's your point? Yeah, right. Does I was just going to say that. The donkey does spoke. Does he? And I almost used yeah. the King James, but I, I'm, I'm behaving myself today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the question is, does he? And the answer is, why? Explain to me how you barking like a dog or being lit on fire is a building up and a benefit to the church. How does it glorify God when Explain you do to me things? how it makes disciples. If somebody walked in from the street and saw us doing this here in our church, what would they do? They'd probably turn right back around and walk out. Yeah. They'd be like, what is going on here? So, okay, so based on that argument, then there is a valid reason for lighting you on fire and barking like a dog. It's judgment. There it is. (laughs) So if you're barking like a dog in church because of the quote-unquote work of the Holy Spirit, you are being judged. I think that's what I just said. Okay. I feel okay with that. Okay. You know what? I thought about it. I prayed about it. I feel really good about it. (laughs) I, I am fully okay with that implication there. No, see... This is, again, why we go through this as a systematic theology, because when we understand God and his attributes rightly, we understand God and his work rightly, we understand God and his continuing work rightly. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing, is he is affecting the continuing work of God for our good and for God's glory. So it's for the building up of the disciples both you as the individual and the disciples as the church corporately. It's for the instruction in the word. 
It's for the encouragement of prayer and the completion of the kingdom. None of that involves silliness or nitwittery. And if nitwittery is not a word, mm-hmm. it is Should now. Be. Yeah. It is now. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. All right. Motion carried. Mm-hmm. So this is how this works. Again, if you are in a church that you do this, read your Bible. Study. If you've got somebody speaking in tongues, I'm not going to argue with you. Interpret them. And if you can't, recognize that that's not a Holy Spirit work. That's somebody looking for attention. If you're rolling around on the floor acting like you're on fire, stop it. (laughs) Grow up. Be an adult. Read your Bible. Proclaim the word. Be mature in your sanctification and make disciples. And you'll find when you start doing that, you've got too much time to engage in a lot of lunacy and silliness in the name of supposed pneumatology. Right. Yeah, proclaiming the word is, is important. That is how men and women learn about God and understand what pleases him, what doesn't please him. It's how they build the relationship with their Father in heaven. How are they to know him if they don't spend any time with his word? And if we got people out there speaking a word of God and it doesn't line up with the word of God, something ain't adding up here. It ain't right. In other words, check yourself before you wreck Wreck yourself. yourself. (laughs) We can't run willy-nilly. We have to actually be grounded by the, uh, the, uh, the objective standard of truth, which is Scripture. That's why it is God-breathed and inspired by God, the work of the Holy Spirit, so that the man of God will be adequate and equipped for every good work. All right, so what have we learned today, children? The Holy Spirit is God. God's working is boxed in by God himself. And being in the Holy Spirit is soteriological in nature, having to do with salvation, not emotional in nature. All right. Have we left anything out? I don't think so. I think we're pretty thorough. If you do not like what we have said, um, complain. Info at practicaltheologyministries.com. I'd be more than happy to listen to you. If you... uh, like what you're listening to, you want to listen to past worship services, you can find those there. You can join us live and in person at 1030 Central Daylight Time in Rockford, Illinois at Calvary Baptist Church in Rockford. You can join us on Podbean for the live stream. When you do, uh, say hi. Elena might be up there or my wife might be up there or one of our other members might be up there. We've got a couple of nursery workers who actually use it. They're in the building with us and they, they actually stream the service so they can keep up with the kids and all that good stuff and still follow along what's going on. Um, other resources like Bible reading and other things, practicaltheologyministries.com. I'm working hard, working hard, working hard. Um, hopefully going to have a resource on the Sermon on the Mount available by the end of the month. Okay. I'm starting to go back through that finally. I wrote it a year ago, and I'm just now getting back through it. And I might be done by the end of this month. So it'll be a fun little resource, something for you guys to be able to utilize and learn from. That's the idea. All right, anything else we need to cover? No. All right, until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye. <laughs>